Thank you, Libby. Always want to answer back. Libby, but she's got that red hair, and I can't how fiery people can be with red hair, so I don't bother, you know. I'm just there. But, uh, all right, folks. <laughs> she asked me if I want to tell a joke, right? I've got a couple of jokes in here, but they're definitely not for Sunday mornings, so I'm not a bother. Right, uh, so um, the folk have been coming here for a little while. Uh, you okay, we've been going through this series in, in the book of Corinthians, weak but strong. And uh, I think that's something uh, we could all be done with. And, and we're in weaknesses, and we can definitely hear that extra. We need that extra bit of strength for, for whatever it is. And, and definitely in a culture just now, I find if, if you seem to hear your hands up in the air, that's a sign of weakness. If you're on your knees, that's a sign of weakness. But to us as Christians, it's actually the opposite. It's a sign of power. It's a, it's a sign of that connection, uh, that connection with the creator of the universe. To me, it's it's something special. Okay, and it, it, the world isn't a god. So I'd just like to throw a question out there just now, and uh, I'll just leave that hanging over the service. And I might get back to it, and I might not. But it'll give you something. It'll give you something to think about. Hopefully, is there someone? Is there someone in your lives just now that you're really longing for? I mean, really longing for. I don't mean a digestive biscuit at your break time or a, a, a cup of tea after working, but something really deep inside that uh, you're really longing for. And we'll, and we'll just leave that. We'll just leave that question just hang in, can. So we're all really good at avoiding stuff, are we? I mean, if if he's or anything like me. I just love avoiding stuff, you know, whether it be a doctor's appointment, whether it be a dentist, whether it be uh, Well, obviously, then I want to be told stuff if we're not really sure or it's got a mark that's uncomfortable, so we, we try and put it off, you know, and uh, even even for some of your students here, probably, you just put off studying for an exam. It just can you just need to study for. I can, Fraser's looking a bit sheepish here, so I, 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 take, I, take, that one, I take that one on the right track, yeah, Fraser. You know, well, for me, it used to be going to court. And, uh, and all the times I got arrested, and I'm not I'm ne glorifying it, I did get arrested quite a lot. And uh, I was never given bail. I just hated going back to court. You know, I just hated it again. So I put it off as long as I could, and I avoided it with every fibre of my being. Obviously, they used to caught up with me, and they did catch up with me. And uh, I got mere jail time for avoiding court. If I was ever given bail, I used to hear the, the added charge of breach of bail on top. So I, I avoided that because I knew they never what was going to be happening. I just didn't want to face it, you know. I just didn't want to face it. And that could be that could be the same with us for a, a subject we've got to speak about today. And uh, I've been given a cheery subject to speak about today, and it's death and dying. I know. <laughs> it's brutal, isn't it? But I think I think here... I think that Paul's trying to get across here in the scripture is if we've got a correct understanding of this subject, then it's our changes. It, it changes everything. Again, it really does. So one of the biggest questions I think we can ask, not just as Christians, but one of the biggest questions that we can ask ourselves, that any human's going to ask ourselves, is far we've got to go. Again, far we've got to go from we die. And again, it's a bit of a taboo subject. And uh, I'm trying to be sensitive as I can here again, but there's that many books and programs about it. So even though it's taboo, it's actually a very interesting subject that folk seem to really grab onto. Again, as paranormal programs, left, right, and centre, as stories on ghosts, as all that paranormal ghost hunting rubbish and stuff again. And I think that's a, it's a very important question that we need to ask ourselves at far we've got to go from we 
from the leave this mortal coil. He's cried, I love that mortal coil. And again, there's a lot of youngsters in here tonight. It's probably a day it probably doesn't think about stuff like that again, but trust me, it's coming. I'm going to try to scare you as a man, Ken. But as I say, if we, if we get a proper thinking, a, a correct thinking, a biblical thinking, a fit, fit it is, it's nothing to be scared of. It's, it really is not. Can I some people think it from the die? That's it, just game over. Again, like a candle getting snuffed out in the wind, just blackness, nothing. But I think the trouble we are at thinking is that it just brings a sense of hopelessness. It brings a sense of despair. And I think if you live with that hopelessness and that despair in our lives, that will shine out in our own lives and we will live a life of hopelessness and despair. That's what I believe. But no so, we us be Christians. A Christian way of, of tackling the issue of death and dying and far gone is so different and I believe a tons healthier, a healthier way to live. And our answers are grounded in the teachings of a man that not only beat death and others when he raised them for the dead, but he actually beat death himself. And us who are joined with Jesus, that are in Jesus, we end up with a great hope and a security and, and a peace right here and right now. I think that's an, that's an amazing stuff again. And it is a question to ask ourselves. You know, if, if Jesus beat death, Again, for me, I'm, I'm getting on about it. I, I want to care more about that. You know, if Jesus beat death, I, I want to know more and more about that. So I'm not being too morbid, am I? No. <laughs> no, you're all right, it'll be good stuff. So let's uh, let's just jump into the scripture, I think. That'll be good. Um, is anybody needing a Bible? No? Solid. That's good, then. So it'll come up on the screen anyway. Young Kayesha will bang it up on the screen here. I'll just start reading, it'll come up sooner or later. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, uh, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan to be unclothed. We do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I love that. What is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Amen. So I think I think Paul here gives us some amazing insights and amazing wisdom here. And if he's correct in his perspective and his thinking, and I can I believe that we can learn something really special here. First we know it's a, a contrast that Paul's marking. He 
Paul's saying that we're earthly bodies are just like tints, and we can the nature of tints, they're only temporary. They're not permanent structures, and they're, they're, they're definitely not meant to be lived in forever. And I'm sure most of us have been camping here at some point. And if you have been, and you've been in a storm while you're camping, you can, you can understand that they're very vulnerable, very weak. And even the best attempts, they can't really handle the big storms. And we are fragile at best. And some of this thinking that Paul tells is he, he refers back to, he's referring back to chapter 4, when he says that even though all the suffering, all the stuff that we go through in life is nothing, nothing in comparison to if it's got to be coming next. And he actually says it's nothing in comparison to the weight of glory it's to come. No, I don't know, I'm not making light of anybody's problems or anybody's issues here because by the amount of complaining I hear in this church, we've got a lot, right? That's a joke. <laughs> it's a bad thing, I know. <laughs> but, because problems are real, are they? You know, we've all got them. I was just speaking to some guy today and he was, we were speaking about kind of the, the suffering that we go through. And we, we do can, we do understand the nature of God. It's not God that brings the suffering, but we are, we're not immune to the suffering just because we're Christians. You know, some people do think that, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a mistake in teaching, it's a mistake in thinking we're going to go through the same suffering, if not more, than most people. You know? But this, this, this subject, even death, is not a big deal to Paul. Paul's viewing the worst thing that could happen to him isn't a big deal. He, and he likens it more to the taking down of a tent. That's what he likens it to. He, he's letting us know that our, our earthly bodies were very fragile and were very insecure in our stuff. And at the end of the day, they will return to the dust. But that's not the end for us. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> it tickles me. I can see by a lot of your faces, it doesn't do that much for you, like, but... <laughs> It definitely, it definitely did something for me, Ken. Uh, I sometimes wonder if they've made a mistake. Give me a microphone sometimes, but... <laughs> Scott and Sarah's not here, so anything I say, right, it's out of order, then I, then I let back to Scott and Sarah. <laughs> Aye, so, so, in contrast, with resurrected bodies have got to be solid. They've got to be permanent. That, that speaks to me of security and safety. And how do we care this is true? Again, how do we care this is true? Well, God, Jesus is the very essence of truth. And he says in John 14, 2, that he's already preparing a place for us. That's, that's something to take to the bank, isn't it? That's something to take to the bank. And even though this is in our future, I think Paul here is writing, he's so sure of what he's saying, that he writes it in present tense. He's not confident of what he's saying. That we will hear a dwelling place safe and secure and solid for all eternity. That's worth a wee dance, isn't it? And I, I think that's just got to be an amazing place to be. Now, we might think it's pretty easy for Paul back in his day to say things like this because he doesn't care what we are going through now. And all the stuff that we have to go through on a, on a daily basis, and that is a fair point to mark. But if you just think of the stuff that Paul went through, and if, you, if you read the life of Paul and not through his letters, he didn't hear it easy at all. You know, he was he was battered. He was beaten loads of times. He was uh, stoned. Not that type of stone, Libby. He was uh, shipwrecked. He was he was he was bit he was he was bitten by snakes. 
So, and Paul, Paul didn't have an easy time. So I think Paul's got the authority and the right to, to write us letter. Uh, he kens what he's speaking about, and he, he was even he was even in prison quite a few times. And I'd, I'd imagine the prisons back in that days were not like the prisons that I've been to, for it was TVs and comforts and quilts and kettles in your peers in your cells, again. So I think Paul's got every right to say that stuff, again. And I and I through we're suffering. We've got to, I think we've got to understand if it's actually, if it's actually going on here. I read, a, I read a story just last week about this guy, <coughs> pardon me, and uh, he was a Christian guy and he was walking uh, down the street and he, and he seen this church and it scaffolded and it was just getting taken off it. And uh, it looked uh, nice, and the building was really nice, it was well done, granite, you can't get much better than granite, so it was a really nice solid building. And But I was, a st I was still one of the builders there and he was working on a big piece of rock. And he was moulding it and shaping it. And the guy was looking and he was thinking, why's he, why's he got a piss bit of rock? And uh, he goes over after a little wee while. He's watching this guy mould it and shape this rock. And he goes over and he says to him, listen, he says, this church is amazing. He says, but I'm just wondering, where are you got to put that? Where are you got to put that big boulder there? And the guy just turned and looked at him and he says, he says, I'm preparing it down here for up there. And he was pointing to the church steeple. The point I'm trying to mark is, that's what God's doing with us. That's, that's what he's doing through our sufferings. He allows his sufferings to happen because he's preparing us, I think, I believe, for something much better. Not just there, but he's preparing us for life here. So Paul, like us, is being prepared. He was like us, he's being prepared for eternal life. So all through our ups and downs, all our troubles, all our strife, and that's a beautiful thing. God is transforming us into his son's image. And that, and that could mean lots of things to us. And it could mean that a certain things in our character and, and our attitudes and the way we deal with people, the way we deal with stuff, that has to go. I do can for me personally, for me to look more like Jesus, a lot more of me has to die. A lot more of me has to go. And I just read this quote, and I think this is nice. It says that God's salvation came through the suffering of his son. So his saving grace and his power can work in our lives more and more as we go through difficulty and sorrow. There's mercy inside the storms. I love it. I love it. In verse 2, Paul speaks about a groaning and a, and a longing. And as I says at the beginning, is there something that you've really longed for? When I was 16, unemployment in Aberdeen was about 3 million or something. I'm not sure if it is now, but there was a lot of people unemployed in the UK. And I was part of this unemployed project just over there in Powys, just behind us. And we would do loads of stuff to keep us occupied. It would help us try and find jobs. It would do other type of stuff. But once a year, we would raise money and we would go on a, a, a holiday somewhere. So we ended up going to Malta one year. So we raised a lot of money. And I was about 15, I was went to Malta. I'd never been abroad before in my life, so you could imagine how excited I was. 15 of my, 15 of my mates. Nay, uh, accomplishment this we can say there was a lot of drinking and stuff going on so but i loved it then i loved the heat a lot just loved everything about malta again but three days in i jumped off a big high building uh, a high cliff into water and i perforated my eardrum so this was three days in again so i'm already in agony and then i was a bit of, i was a bit of tipsy i should say and i fell asleep outside on the beach and ended up with heat stroke severe heat stroke and ended up in hospital for three days right so the rest of the holiday was just a nightmare for me but I was just longing to get him, you know. 
I was just dying to get home. I was I was wanting to get home to my bed. I was wanting to get home to farm my family would look after me. You know. And I've been back to Malta since by the way. You know. And and Paul Paul kinda hints on us with us longing, us us longing and us groaning that we do. You know. My, I can mind my granda or my daff and he used to get up off a chair, he would groan. And I used to laugh at him and say, What's that about what? He says, Well what happened to you and I? And I'll actually date myself now. And I'm sure there's a few guys in here actually date themselves. And, I, and I'm sure if you ask any lassie in here, fuzz, fuzz, give birth to a child, if you ask them at a time for my giving birth, they're enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably pretty sure that the answer would be no. Eh? But I'm sure, I'm 100% sure if you ask them after it, they're going to say it's, it was so worth it. You know, and, and that's, what we're, that's what we're looking at ourselves here. Paul is saying in our, in our groanings, in our brokenness, that we as Christians have got something to look forward to with our expectations so higher and there's something better to come. I mean, how, how amazing it is, is that we're not just justified in the eyes of God. Prophet Jesus done it across, but then he starts a process of preparing us for heaven, for cleaning us up. And we can, as Christian walk, isn't there some super spiritual experience that we can float about on? But it's one or continual intimacy with our king. And it says in Deuteronomy 31, 8, that he will never leave us, nor forsake us. And to me, that's a great promise to hold on to when we've got discouragement, when we've got doubt. And notice what Paul says here in verse 5. He says here that we've been given a deposit, a guarantee. So for our troubles and our at times of discouragement do come, it can be hard to hang on to or to find comfort in our heavenly destiny or our future. But I think God knew this would be the case with us. And he kens us so well, didn't he? And, and I think he's done for every good father would do, that he's, he's given us, his children, hope of something better. Something that we can hold on to from our going through our tough times. And he backs it up with what he's saying, we are guarantee. A down payment right now. Right now. So I looked up uh, the Greek. I mean, some of you are probably going to care about me, but I actually do a lot of Greek studying. Sylvie knows that. He's Sylvie. Spot on. So I'll try and get the word right. So the ancient Greek word for guarantee is arahabon. And this describes a pledge or a down payment that requires future payments and collection. But it gives the one receiving the guarantee, us, legal claims to the goods in question. I think we should just let that sink in. We've got a legal claim on what God's guaranteed in us. That's mad, that, isn't it? So in a sense, us as children of God, adopted into his family, we're citizens of heaven, we all the inheritance that comes with that, given to us by God, we have this guarantee that God, at his word, will come back and he'll collect what he paid for. So we can now have a piece of heaven within us now. We've got a bit of the future within us now. That blows my mind, like, that really does. So I suppose our job is kind of to, to pull our future into our present. To need to sit and wait for it to happen again, but to pull our future into our present, to live that new creation that Christ has spoken about and, and has brought about by faith on the cross. We bring that future life into our present. I don't know what could work individually in your lives. But I've got a rough idea of what I'm doing in my life. I'm pulling my future into my present. 
So I think what it comes down to is we didn't just believe God, but what he says, but we live like we believe it. That's the key. We didn't believe, just believe what he says, but actually live like we believe it. We haven't got our new bodies yet. And trust me, I'm waiting for a new body like I'm broken. <laughs> I mean that in a good way, I think. Can all that is weak, and all that is subject to, to decay will one day be gone forever. It will be one day swallowed up by life, by eternal life. So everything is, everything's just got to be better. Everything that you look at now in creation, waterfalls, all the stuff in the stars, it's all beautiful. But it's all got to be better. You know, all the fittest that you've ever been now in your life. All the young boys are pretty fit. James is pretty fit for an old boy. <coughs> Older boy. Oh, and just, oh, just got to be better, isn't it? Oh, it's just got to be better. And that, it's none. It's compared to if it's got to come. And that should give us an awesome, an awesome confidence in our daily lives. And that will help us not just to endure our suffering, but overcome our sufferings. That's Leonard Ravenhill. I like to read. He says that humanists and the likes say the, the chief goal of humans is to please man and to glorify self. Not so with us. Our goal is to please God and to enter into his presence and enjoy his presence forever. So Paul's speaking about verse 9. He goes on to be pleasing God again. And it, it can't be so easy to just read scripture and just, just let it wash over you again. But I was reading on, meditating on this, I felt a bit convicted. And if I'm, to be honest with myself, do I live to please God all the time? My honest answer would be no. You know, I'm, I'm sometimes very selfish. I sometimes like to please myself. But Paul says that our aim in life is to please God. But the beautiful thing here is, this is, this is, this is a beautiful thing, is that because we have the Holy Spirit within us, he gives us not just the tools to please God, but he actually softens our heart so we can want to please him more. That's beautiful, that. that's supernatural, it's beautiful. And we can't do this as Christian walk by ourselves without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. It really is impossible. And I, and I, I believe if we're spirit-filled here today, that we have everything that we need to live a Christian life. And we're called to live for Christ and for others. Not for ourselves. And in, in Philippians, Paul goes on to say, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I mean, that's, that's an amazing, bold statement of what he's saying. And that, that's something that we, we really need to be striving for, I think. You know, to live is Christ. It means to live with our direction, with our purpose, with everything focused on Christ on a daily basis, not just on a Sunday, again, but on a daily basis. And that's our purpose. That is our purpose. I mean, from, from I heard, as, a, as a, a young Christian, that I was created by God, for God, I wasn't really happy with that answer, to tell you the truth. I thought it was off a big heated of God, mocking me to serve him. But it's actually the, the way we were meant to be created for. And I think once I accepted that, things got a lot easier. It's easier to serve. It's easier to love people. And it is. It really is. I've lost my peace. And of course, to be with Jesus, that's got to be gain, isn't it? It's really a one-win situation. It really is. Can the, the Holy Spirit is, he marks as possible by giving us our gifts and our talents. <coughs> he gives us practically everything that we need. 
he empowers his wee spirit to act in the supernatural for good. That's mind-blowing. We've seen people healed in this church. We've seen words of knowledge, words of wisdom. We've seen lives transformed by the supernatural power of God. That's pretty special. I, I, reckon, I reckon all you feel about that, but I'm pretty tickled. That Fraser and stuff. I mean, to be able to speak good news into somebody's life, it may help change, not just their day, but could even be their whole destiny. That's a really special thing to hear hold of. That's what he's speaking about, is that treasure in clay jars, isn't he? That's a really special thing. I was in, I was in uh, work just last week as I was preparing for this. Uh, I was praying for, a, uh, asking for an illustration for this very thing, and I couldn't think of anything. Even though I've seen loads of things happening, I couldn't see, I couldn't think of anything. So it's about half ten at night now, and this lassie comes over to me at the till, and I walks up after I served her. I walks her off the till, and uh, she goes, "Oh, can I speak to you for a minute?" And I went, oh, "Of course you can." She says, "You don't remember me, do you?" And I went, "No." She goes, "I was in here about a year and a half ago, about half ten at night," and I'm thinking, "Oh no, she's what a complaint. She's remembered something." Again. <laughs> and uh, she says to me, "She goes, I had a necklace on it said forever on it," and it came started coming back to my to my memory, and I says, "Oh, do you remember that?" I says, uh, oh, I was good at it. I couldn't remember nothing else about the story, but she says, you remember I told you my dad was dying and I, was on, I wasn't at peace about anything and, they, and he gave me that necklace. I says, oh, do you remember that now? And then she goes, and then you prayed for me. You leaned your hand over the till and you says, the peace of God be on your da and for her. So I didn't think nothing. No, I, no, I went to work the work. So a year and a half later, she's came into the shop and I'm actually looking for an illustration. I'm feeling a bit discouraged because I was like, Nevis can hear it in my voice. I've got a bit of a call just now. So I'm feeling a bit discouraged myself. This lassie comes up to me and says, I have to tell you, you so lifted me up that day. You so got me through that next little period in my life. My dad died, his dad, her dad died the very next day. I prayed for her. And she was at peace. And she goes, even her dad died at peace. No, I done that day was I had a cinch to ask her about her necklace. That's all I'd done. And then I opened up and I had boldness to offer to pray for her. You know, that changed something in that lass's life. I don't care if she's coming to church, I didn't ask her, I didn't care if she's met with Jesus. But something happened that day, it was supernatural, it, it blew my mind, and I needed encouraged that day. That comes around. I think that's mind-blowing, that, like, you know. And that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. I couldn't have done that without the Holy Spirit's help. That lady, she needed help that day. And God put me exactly where he wanted me to be, to meet up with that lassie. Even the ramifications are everything that's been put into place for me and her to meet. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? It's mind-blowing. And Jesus asks us here to walk in faith, not by sight. So we, we need to be... Oh, I lost my place. Aye, so we have to live like we believe it, as it says. Again, to walk in faith with courage, believing that fit we fit will come, will far away of our present sufferings. To be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually filled with the Holy Spirit. To empower us for service in our communities and in our homes and our families. And at the end of the day, we just want to hear our words for Jesus, do we? Well done. Well done. And then we'll be in his in his presence again. And, and just just to just to wrap things up, it's really easy. It's not easy, but it's really difficult sometimes to think, well, for is my suffering going to bring? For is my, I'm, I'm going through this right now. This is very real for me. And I was just thinking about this. And I, I was thinking, uh, 
it's real easy to, it's really hard to distinguish two, there was a Christian there and a non-Christian there and they're both full of joy. It's really hard to distinguish for as a Christian because they're both full of joy. But I think for us, and this is important, this, I think for us as Christians, people are watching us. We're, on, we're under a magnifying glass as Christians. Again, whether it's at our work or whether it's at university, folk are watching us and listening to what we say and what we do. And, and I, I think the way we deal with our suffering is, is key to fit, to fit has got to change maybe the way they think about Christ. You know, the way they think about it again. And I think that only comes with the Holy Spirit. 